Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spectrum Talks, physical therapy podcast with your host, Sandra Terrazas. I'm a physical therapist and CEO of Spectrum Therapy Consultants in El Paso, Texas. I want to do a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and it should not be replaced with any type of medical treatment. So always seek out for help when you need it. Hi, welcome to Spectrum Talks uh, podcast. We have our first guest of our podcast today. I'm here with Dr. Alvaro Gurovich. He's the program director for the physical therapy program at the University of Texas in El Paso. Welcome, Alvaro. Thank you, Sandra. Happy to be here. Great. I wanted to take this opportunity to just um, tell you that we have started doing our podcast. And what we have done is started with what is the physical therapy profession and who are the players that are in the profession and what we do and who we are. And then we went on to uh, applying for physical therapy school and physical therapy assistance school and all the requirements that are required and how to best prepare And so I thought I'd have you as a program director today to hear it from the horse's mouth. What happens after that application process uh, starts? But before we even go there, that's the plan with this podcast today. Before we go there, I want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you ended up in El Paso, your clinical experience. And I'll, I'll start with you're from Chile. And so I always wonder, well, how do people end up in El Paso from a foreign country and why here? But we're so glad that you're here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said, um, I was born and raised in Chile. Uh, I, I, I had the luck to see the world. So I travel a lot. I was a swimmer. So I had the chance to, to know many, many countries in South America and, and Europe and Asia and And I always liked the, the way to go somewhere else. So I worked in Chile for many years, like 20 years as a physical therapist. I graduated in physical therapy in, in, in Chile. I work in several settings. I work acute, ICU, uh, cardiovascular rehabilitation. But the very last years, I, I, I practiced in um, sport rehabilitation and cardiovascular rehabilitation. Uh, I was also a professor in a PT school down in Chile, and, but I always wanted to do a PhD. So I moved to the United States to do my PhD in the University of Florida. Uh, I spent four years on my PhD. Uh, my wife, that she moved with, with me when, when, when our older son was just one year old. Wow. And she also started doing my PhD. Uh, I did it on the applied physiology and kinesiology department, and she did it in the physical therapy department. So, so we both did our PhD. I finished first because I started first, so I had the. the I was very thankful to continue with a postdoc. So I went to school of medicine in, in Uni University of Florida. I did a postdoc in vascular biology uh, until my wife graduated. So then. We both were ready to go back to Chile. And things in Chile didn't work out the way we wanted. Uh, the things were, uh, I'm not sure if they saw the value of have two physical therapies with PhD uh, degree. And Which is very rare in this, even in the U.S. <laughs> even in the U.S. is very rare. Right. And, and the, 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 our, I mean, the people down there really didn't see the value. So we start applying for positions here. 
And we found a developing program in Indiana, in Terre Haute, Indiana, that they were looking for PTs with a PhD. Mm-hmm. And, and we apply. Uh, we got the position. We were uh, very fortunate that they were looking for, for at least two people. So we both got the position. And we worked in Indiana State University for five years, I think. It was five and a half years. Um, there were several things in the last two years of those five and a half that were not, uh, we were not very happy. Mm-hmm. There were several external things, not major on the, on the institution, but it was more on, on, on the area that we were. And, and then I have this opportunity. I, I saw that the, the program here at UTEP were looking for a program director. I was ready to move to the more administrative um, area. I was a regular faculty over there doing my research, but I I thought the challenge was was good. Um, I came, I love it. Uh, Carolina came, mm-hmm. she loved it. We were also very fortunate that the College of Health Science had an opening for the program director for rehabilitation sciences, that is the undergrad, and and we moved. It's we, almost like it was meant to be, right? It was. I don't know. It's perfect. How long ago was that? Four years. Wow, time flies. Yeah. I remember when you were touring the city and touring clinics and meeting all different therapists here in the community, and uh, I can't believe it's been four years ago. (laughs) It was four years ago. Great. So now tell us about your role in the application process. So we went over how you apply for the program, and then your application goes into the computer, into cyberspace. And so what happens thereafter? Well, once once the application go to cyberspace, as you said, is uh-huh. exactly what happened. Um, we let uh, artificial intelligence do their job. So that's the first thing we do, uh, and the main reason is because we we receive between four hundred and fifty and five hundred applicants per year. That's there is no way there is no human capacity to go over five hundred applications. Okay, so. There are several metrics that we use, and and and, and the computer, this the, the application system, mm-hmm. ranked those people according to that criteria. Okay. And that criteria normally is GPA, the GRE. Um, I, there is a couple more that I right now I, I forgot, but there are numbers data. Okay. Uh, GPA on the last 30 credits, GPA on the freshman prerequisite, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So not the freshman year. In fact, we, we try to have a metric that freshman year not always is considered. We consider freshman year in the overall GPA, but we have some weight on the GPA of the last two years. Okay. Because we understand that people at 17, they may make some mistakes. They didn't perform very well on the first year, and we don't want to penalize that. At the beginning. Right. So. And sometimes they don't determine this is what they want to do exactly. till a year or two after they're in the program. And so, exactly. you know, their grades may have not been a great priority or they might be working or exactly. taking care of family members. And, exactly. and so life gets yeah. in the way. Yeah. So so that's that's kind of the first step that we do. So we, we rank everybody and we always determine that we're going to review 50%. So when we have 500 applicants, we review 250. When okay. we have 400 applicants, we review 200. Okay. 
And when we say review, now we do a, a very meticulous and holistic approach. We, is there a committee or is there... There is a committee. Okay. There is a, the, the chair of the admissions committee is Dr. Michelle Gutierrez. Uh, she, does, she does an amazing, amazing job and probably she's the best person to ask a more specific question. Uh, we have a committee that the committee make the decisions on terms of the weight on 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 the rubric and and the, the mathematical approach that we have, but then every every faculty gets involved. So okay. everybody, when when we decide that how many we're going to review in, in in this specific review where we read the the letter of recommendation, the 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 paragraph that that they the narrative that they need to answer. We look over the, the how many hours in volunteer uh, they have, how many community engagement, research, etc. So we, we look very specific to the whole application. And so that faculty member, I'm assuming, has a rubric where they exactly. start scoring and checking off so all we, those things found in the... So everybody has the same packet. rubric. Everybody's trained the same way. So we, we do training sessions that... That if, if we read one letter of recommendation and somebody gave a five and another give a three, that's wrong. It's the same letter. Everybody should rank exactly the same. Okay. So, so we do all those kind of training just before we, everybody gets around 25 to 30 applications. Okay. And each, each one of us do a, a very specific analysis of everyone. Okay. Everyone. And so what percent would you say actually get in? The first time. That's a good question. I think that's a question for Michelle. Because okay. I'm, I'm and I'm sure it changes every year. Yeah, it changes every year. We just released some data and our new website. We have a new website, have new data on the application. What What's the average GPA? What's the average GRE? What's the average, uh, the prerequisite GPA, et cetera, et cetera. And where do students go to look at what the requirements are for your program? Everything is on our website. Okay. So you go to utep.edu, you can search physical therapy, and you will find our website. And we have a, a, a tag that is called application or prospective student, and you will find all the information there. And so let's talk a little bit about those students who don't get in the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my recommendation has always been to apply to multiple programs to see if that increases the chances of you getting in somewhere else and then maybe later picking where you get to go. So what would you say to those students who are going to reapply and what I'm sure many of them call you and say, what, what, what could have I done better? What's wrong with my application? What should I change? What do, we, what do you suggest I do? Because they have to wait a whole year before they can reapply. So what kind of advice would you give those students? Well, there, there are two major reasons why people don't, don't get in. Uh, the first one is their overall GPA. Uh, there is something that they, the people, especially here in, in El Paso, need to understand that UTEP GPA calculates when you repeat a class, they take the best grade on your class. So if you had a C and then you repeat that class and you got an A, your GPA on the UTEP transcript takes only the A. Wow. Before, it was an average of the two. Well, now it's only the A. Great. And, and, and however, when you apply through the system that is PTCAS, PTCAS takes everything. So, so some students I've received said, hey, well, what happened? I have a 3.5 and I didn't get in. And I go to the data and say, well, it's a 3.5 UTEP GPA. 
is a 3.3 or 3.35 overall or PTCAS GPA. Right. And that, that, that factor immediately put you lower on the ranking. Okay. But your AI, your program, is able to identify yeah. that? Not really, because we use the PTCAS GPA. Okay. Now, sometimes you cannot do anything in one year in terms of increase your GPA. So that's why we tell the students, and I'm going to the undergrad students to tell them, you need to figure out your GPA as soon as possible. You, I mean, you need to have a good GPA. Now, but the second thing, the most important, is GRE. Uh, we have data showing that GRE is a good indicator for grad school at the doctoral level. So that's why we have kept the GRE. There are many other programs that they're not going away from the GRE, but we continue having the GRE, especially. And even though I always thought that quantitative, the math piece was more important, we have realized the right, the written part is more important. Wow, okay. And so... The, the, second, the second thing that I always tell them is improve your GRE. If your GPA is on the 3.3, three, 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 uh, you're not going to be such competitive. Right now, we're accepting people with 3.7, 3.75. Seven, seven, uh, but you can make yourself very competitive if you have an excellent GRE. Okay. So if you go to a 1.5, 2, two I don't remember exactly the, 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 the score, but if you go two standard deviation above, you can, you can get much better uh, possibility. Years ago, when I sat in the admissions committee, we used to interview students. And so then we got away from that because we had too many students to interview and you had to have a lot of faculty and adjunct faculty or clinicians come and help with that process. Sure. And so what um, part, part of it was the 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 labor of people required to do it. The other part, uh, it was thought that there would be some biases if you liked somebody, the way they presented themselves or how they were dressed, that that might bias you, somebody else who isn't look like the type of a PT student that you would want to have in your program. So we got away a little bit from the interviewing, but sometimes somebody looks great on paper and they have a great GRE score, they have a great uh, GPA, but they can't relate to people. So how, how does that factor into finding the right clinician who's going to deal with patients, who has to be compassionate, empathetic, and really be a human before they can apply all their amazing clinical knowledge? That's an excellent question. And, and, and I have missed feelings here because okay. I do share your same feelings. Sometimes... Sometimes you, on paper, you can find somebody excellent and then, and then it doesn't work out the way you thought or the vice versa. On paper, they don't look very well, but they will be excellent students for the PT and you don't know. Now, for the first case, uh, I, I have, and finally I understood after many, many years in academia that the truth is that we are in the education business. So if we have somebody that in paper looks so great and then in the relationship piece they might not be so well, well, it's our job to educate that person to be the perfect physical therapist. Mm -hmm. It's part of what we do. Correct. If we, if we go with interviews or whatever system that everybody that we're going to get is cherry picking and we're mm -hmm. going to have the perfect student, 
well, maybe we can get rid of half of the faculty because you can give them a book and they will get a, a great <laughs> a great performance. Right, right. But no, we are in our business is to model people, is to educate people, to mm-hmm. make them best their best self on those three years. And yes, sometimes it's challenging. We do have students that are challenging. Mm-hmm. On, on, on how they learn, on how they behave, and we try to, to, to make them understand what is, what is good to be as a physical therapy, what is not that good. Mm-hmm. And so far, I think we, we've done a pretty good job on having those that show on paper that were really good and then they were not very good, but at the end of the day, they have succeeded and they have become physical therapy. And at the point where I'm on the employer side, imagine faculty with you all as well, but as uh, they as they come in as employees, my challenge has been emotional intelligence, because it's almost it's a fancy way of saying um, your morals and your manners, and to acknowledge people, to say hello to everybody, even if you don't know who they are, and it's simple things that maybe this generation has stood behind a phone to communicate, or behind a computer to communicate, and so the communication skills are. Are, are a challenge and they're brilliant. I mean, I have them as employees and I've, I've seen as students where, where sometimes they don't ask the patient, how was your day today? How are you doing today? Or they ask how their pain is or they ask how their symptoms are, but how are you as a person doing today and how was your weekend? And those little simple things are what carries through that relationship with a patient to make them better and have good outcomes. Yeah, I completely agree. This is something something else that we've been dealing with. Uh, we know that there is some sort of generational gap. Uh, most of the faculty that work on a on a PT program, they're they're not from this generation. I mean, everybody was a clinician first, then went back to school for a PhD, and then they came back to academia to start teaching. So the breach between the the ages of the generation of that we are receiving now, with what we have seen as professionals that we saw it like ten years ago, mm-hmm. is huge, and 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 sometimes it's extremely challenging. I've been I've been telling my faculty that every year is going to be more challenging, and 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 I don't. At the beginning, I thought like, oh, they're wrong, we are right. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking that well, nobody's wrong or nobody's right. Mm-hmm. We need to adapt also, and, and as I said, we need to educate that. Mm-hmm. This is a healthcare profession. It's a healthcare profession. You need to care mm-hmm. about people. And if you don't know how to care, we're going to try to teach you how to care. Right, because that's not a metric in an application. I, 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 <laughs> um, the, other, the other topic I wanted to, it's kind of together, I know that you're going through an accreditation process right now, and I, I'd like to just have you chime in on the that little process, which is a big, huge process. Uh, talk about that, and then let's just talk about that now, and then I'll ask you the other question okay. to follow with that. Well, all programs of physical therapy need to be accredited by the Commission on Accreditation Physical Therapy Education, CAPTI. Mm-hmm. Um a new program goes from a little bit different process, but as soon as they are accredited, now the students that they graduate from that program, they can get licensed. So it's a very important process. If, you, if you're not accredited, your graduates cannot get a license to practice. So wow. So it's important. It's important. <laughs> you have to be accredited. 
So after you get your first accreditation, you get accreditations every 10 years. Okay. So th this is our second reaccreditation. The program has been out for 20 years, and this is our second reaccreditation and first reaccreditation as a doctoral program. Okay. Um, the process is, 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 a, is a big process. The, the number one thing that you do is some, something that is called self-report. That is when you need to analyze all the data and all the curriculum and all your outcomes in terms of are we doing a good job. And if you're not doing a good job in some specific things, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's, oh, shoot, we're not doing a good job in this thing. What are we going to do to make it better? What's your corrective action plan? Mm -hmm. and, and, that's what, and that's what we're doing. So we've been in the past year and a half. In fact, we should have had our, our visit in April this year. But because of COVID, everything was, was sent back. So we're, we're having this, the visit in September. We're finishing the self-report. We are in the very last stages of the self-report. But we've been working for almost a year and a half now where we review the whole curriculum that every single... Every single standard that is associated to what PTs, general PTs do, need to be in the curriculum. And when we did that analysis, we were very proud because we, we didn't have major flaws in terms of content. Mm -hmm. And in general, we, we haven't seen major flaws. I'm going to tell you, I, I just fresh because I, have, uh, I was talking to Dr. Celia Page yesterday about the accreditation thing. The only major flaw that we have is that our students don't know, don't know, don't really understand uh, assistive technology. Okay. And, and, and that's the standard. But the truth is that we do teach assistant devices. <laughs> so when we the ask, <laughs> exactly, when we ask the students, what do you know about assistant technology? The, the, the people replying say, Nothing? What is that? Never seen before. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, you saw it, but you saw it as assistant devices. Uh, devices. That is the same, but it, with, with a word thing. So that's that's our big weakness right now, and it's and it's a detail. Right. So so we're doing a good job. Great, and it seems that the majority of of or the the best method to determine whether your your program is a good program is based on the pass rate of your yeah. students. Not only your, that they graduate and then that they pass their boards, and that's really the biggest measure that anybody can really say, well, how good is your program? Well, yeah. our percentage is X, Y, Z. 100%. Okay. So we have a, a historical 100% uh, passing rate. Okay. And in, the, in this past uh, cohort, the 2020, mm -hmm. the, the cohort of 2021 just graduated, and they haven't, they haven't finished their national exam. But the 2020, that was the first cohort that we moved from an eight semester to a nine semester. Uh, we had 100% first time. So they everybody passed the exam at one shot. Congratulations. So that was pretty good. That's a great reflection. And having said that, which was going to be my next point, now students who have all the goods to, to apply to a program are being selective as to which program they actually want to go to. Or they become... Um, they become the 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 cherry picky, <laughs> so they get to get cherry picked by all the programs because they're that good. Yeah. And so, what would you say that your program has that is worthy of having those those types of students that you would want into your program? 
our program is unique in two, in two maybe three, uh, three things. Uh, the, the very first one that is national recognized because of our multicultural model. We are the only program in the nation that in our mission is embedded the, uh, the, to create a workforce that understand multicultural, linguistic, competent physical therapies. Um, it's part of our DNA. It's part of the serving this community. Uh, we have a Spanish thread. You know it because you participate on that with an, a Spanish uh, I mean, uh, and that terminology. Um, and and then we 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 have the students to experience what it means to understand the patient from the per patient perspective, and 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 we have this Spanish thread that we use to open the mind of the students. And and as I said, we are the only program in the nation that do that. The second. And, and it's pretty important in the past three years, as UTEP raised to an R1 institution that is a highly research-driven institution, I'm not saying that physical therapy is in a high research-driven uh, position right now, but at least you can feel that the language that is happening inside is different. We are not training technicians. We are training professionals with, with, with a critical thinking where research is a very important piece on that critical thinking. And the third thing is that is El Paso way. Mm -hmm. I mean, every time I go with my family anywhere here in El Paso, we say, I cannot believe that this city has almost one million people. It's a huge city. It's the second largest city in Texas. It's the second most educated uh, city in Texas. And it feels like a small town. And our program and the university, they're they are very prestigious and very nice. But you feel like in a small town. You right. feel like a small program. We take care of individuals. We don't take care of numbers. We don't take care of outcomes and national exams, etc. We really care for our students. And you see it because the students that we see come through, you see that in them and you see the investment of time of the faculty because I know them personally. Yeah. And, and they have uh, ties and a commitment to our community and the types of patients that we serve. So is there anything else you'd like to add today on anything going on in your program? Uh, just, just to thank you again for the invitation. Uh, always happy to talk, to talk about the program because it's something that we really care about. Uh, we really want to reach the community to, to tell them that we're doing our best to provide the best healthcare professionals in physical therapy that we can. Great. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, Dr. Alvaro Gurovich with the University of Texas at El Paso Physical Therapy Program was here to offer some very valuable insights for those of you who are looking to get into the physical therapy program. I thank you for your time and uh, we'll visit us again next uh, section, next session for other faculty members that we'll bring in as well. And we're going to sign off here to do our podcast in Spanish next. Thank you again. Bye-bye. <laughs>